0: Hi everybody, this is Hub, and welcome to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I mentioned earlier, this is Hub, and hi! How's it going? I hope things are treating you well this fine whenever the hell you're listening. I'm doing pretty good. I was informed the other day from a social media platform that four years ago this week I posted the first podcast I ever recorded. It was the first episode of a show called Traveling Through the Bronze Age and we talked about Rom the Space Knight. You can still check that out, I think it's up there. But if any of you have been listening since those salad days, uh, thanks for sticking with it. Hopefully I've gotten a little bit better at it over the years. Gosh. Years. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're gonna start our coverage of the Avengers Defenders War. Pretty exciting! pretty exciting but it does mean we've got a bit of stuff to cover so tell you what without any further ado let's ado this today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by josh bickford and it goes a little something like this cyborg changes stereotypes each week garfield wishes that the girls could see his chic puppet master bows down to hive Deathstroke vows terminate in Titans' lives. Coriander absorb an English plant in a kiss. Now here's Hubs kickin' new synopsis. Thanks, Josh. Although now my synopsis has to be kickin'. Way to up the pressure. Alright, let's start off with... Defenders number 8. September 1973. If Atlantis should fall. Written by Steve Englehart. Drotted by Sal Buscema. With inks by Frank McLaughlin. Defenders roll call. Namor the Submariner, Doctor Strange, The Hulk, Silver Surfer, Valkyrie, Hawkeye. Previously in Defenders. Hawkeye felt snubbed by some female co workers to whom he felt entitled to affection, so he quit the Avengers and started stalking the Hulk. Poor decisions all around. The Hulk, Valkyrie, and Namor beat the crowd out of the former Avenger Archer asshole, but let him hang out with them while they raid Steve Strange's fridge. Namor got word that his old enemy, the barbarian warlord Atuma, was about to attack Atlantic City, so the quartet of heroes headed off to New Jersey to get their thwart on. They beat up Atuma and his muscle buddies and their giant crabs real good, but then Atuma had a couple of dolphins sucker punch Namor in the nipples, which KO'd the rampaging prince long enough for Atuma to shackle him up real good and demand that the other defenders surrender and get on his submarine. They agreed, except for the Hulk who isn't partial to underwater travel and just kind of wandered off. But how did Atuma control the pectoral-punching porpoises? Simple. He had help from his new partner, the Red Ghost, a super-powered Russian cosmonaut-slash-scientist who has a complicated relationship with apes, who apparently had recently acquired the ability to telepathically control sea life. When the captive defenders arrived at Atuma's crappy hidden city, Val and Hawkeye got thrown in a dungeon while Subby got dragged off for experiments. Val and the annoying archer escaped, Hawkeye made a garbage bow and some garbage arrows out of some garbage that he found, and the two heroes set off to rescue Namor. They soon found their captured companion, but were shocked when he began to attack them. The Submariner was under the mental control of the Red Ghost. Gadzooks! Will Hawkeye's hastily constructed garbage arrows be a match for the avenging Atlantean sea strength and limbs? Will the Hulk have a change of heart and rescue his non-teammates? And will I get to use the phrase, It's not a tumor! in reference to Namor's nefarious nemesis? Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so, no, of course not. Those things are garbage. No, it turns out the big green lug really just hates water and wandered away. And gosh, I hope so. Really gonna try to work that in. It's not the (laughs) Tuma. Yeah. Namor starts whooping the tar out of his erstwhile non-teammates. Hawkeye gets the bright idea to use his garbage arrows to knock a vase onto Red Ghost Noggin and KO the Cosmonaut, figuring that ought to stop him from mentally bossing the Submariner around. Good thinking, Hawkeye. But no dice. The mesmerized marine menace punches the shit out of the arrogant archer. Okay, I get that Hawkeye's the good guy here, but hooray! When Clint and Val regain consciousness, they find themselves strapped into some kind of goofy-ass super machine. The Red Ghost explains that Clint's plan failed because the Soviet supervillain wasn't exerting mind control using his brain, he was using cosmic rays. Okay, that's... You know what? Never mind, sure. He was telepathically commanding Namor without using his mind. Why not? The ghost goes ahead and turns on the giant machine and is now mind-controlling Hawkeye and Val, but, you know, not using his mind. Two weeks later, back at Steve Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, Steve is pretty stoked because he thinks he may have finally had a breakthrough in his efforts to de his buddy the Black Knight. He sends out a mental summons to all his Defenders buddies to meet up at his place so he can inform them of what a good, good magic boy he is. When only the Hulk and Silver Surfer show up, Steve is concerned. He implores his guests to help him solve the mystery of why nobody came to his party. Surfer makes the excellent point of, um, because they're grown-ups and maybe they didn't want to? Which, surprisingly, seems to satisfy Strange. Until Hulk interjects that he knows where the missing defenders are. Steve and the Surfer demand that Hulk tell them the whereabouts of their absent chums, but Hulk is like, nah, you know what, fuck you guys, I'm leaving. This appears to be unacceptable to the Hulk's chrome companion, who makes the seemingly suicidal decision to try to put the Hulk in a headlock. What? Look, Norrin, I know you're all cosmic and shit, and that's great, but this dude has literally punched a planet apart. Making like you're his older brother about to give him a noogie is a very questionable move at best. Fortunately, Norrin is saved from the repercussions of his actions by Steve using his powers to put Hulk in a trance. The hypnotized Hulk informs his frenemies of his role in the previous issue, and supplies them with the invaluable information that the absent allies are probably underwater somewhere. Wow. That is super helpful. With the scope of their search narrowed down to two-thirds of the Earth, Steve and Norrin head off to find their pals, leaving a mesmerized Hulk sleeping back at the Sanctorum. Huh. You'd think being magically chilled out and falling asleep would make the Hulk turn back into Bruce Banner. Apparently not. I guess the big guy's... Angry sleeping or something. Fair enough. Meanwhile, the Red Ghost and Atuma are not using their brains to mind-control Val, Hawkeye, Namor, and an army of sea creatures into attacking the undersea city of Atlantis. Oh, and I guess Atuma's... Oh, and I guess Atuma's barbarian muscle buddies are in on this, too. Suddenly, Val stops in her tracks, grabs the sides of her helmet, and starts shrieking a familiar-sounding string of capital A's. Oh, shit. Looks like Barbara Norris is back. Turns out the strain of the Red Ghost's mental command, combined with the stress of battle, disrupted Val's control over Barb's bonkers brain, and now it's all cattywampus up in that noggin. With the ghost and Val canceling each other out, seems like Babs is back in charge, which means it's capital A's and freakouts for a while. Fortunately, Doc Strange can sense the mental civil war which is underway and hone in on the location of his cranially compromised companion. He and the surfer zoom down to investigate. Strange uses his powers to calm Barber down and mentally fills himself in on recent events. Once he realizes that the Red Ghost's mental powers are cosmic ray-based, and have nothing to do with his brain, the Sorcerer Supreme comes up with a plan. Steve and the Surfer fly up into space and block out all the cosmic rays from reaching the Earth. Wow. Even the Silver Surfer is impressed that they managed to pull that one off. Once his control is interrupted, Val, Namor, Hawkeye, and all the fishes are back in charge of their respective brains. Hooray! The Siege of Atlantis is over. Hawkeye and Val punch the shit out of the Red Ghost. And as for Atuma? Well, maybe there's someone out there powerful enough to withstand the mighty fists of a vengeful Submariner. But, <clears throat> It's not Atuma! Thank you. Thank you. Namor gives a little speech about how punching the living shit out of your enemy is pretty much the best. And the Defenders head back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Hooray! There's an epilogue to this story which leads into the Avengers-Defenders War, but before we get to that, there's some relevant shit going on over in Avengers number 115. So, Avengers number 115, September 1973, written by Bob Engelhart, trotted by Bob Brown, with inks by Mike Esposito. Below Us the Battle, Avengers Roll Call, Captain America, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, Thor, Mantis, Black Panther, The Swordsman. Okay, so let's get the main story out of the way because it's mostly the epilogue of this one that's relevant. The Avengers finally notice that their buddy Dane Whitman, the Black Knight, has been missing for the better part of a year, and maybe they should go to his house in England and see if he's okay. The English branch of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't want them to get into the country, but then they do. They go to Dane's castle, but can't get through a protective bubble that Steve put around it back in Defenders No. 4. Then some inbred troggledites who have been living underground since Robin Hood times, who are pissed off that they can't do their underground food raids of the castle, knock out the Avengers and drag them underground. When they wake up, the Avengers beat up the troggledites and kill the giant albino skeleton bug they worship. They drag the troggledites above ground and call some EMTs and social workers to help them out. The troggledite's leader, a dude named Skull, describes Doctor Strange to them and tells them that he's the guy who put the magic bubble up and he and his buddies took the Black Knight with him. The Avengers reckon they better check that shit out. But the main thing is the bit at the end, which is called Alliance Most Foul. Loki, the Norse god of mischief and or evil, depending on what era we're looking at, has just finished fighting his half-brother Thor. Looks like Loki didn't do so good because he's now blind and falling off a giant cliff. Bummer for him. He's about to fall on some jagged boulders beneath him when he is rescued by Dormammu, that flaming ski-mask fellow that we saw back in Marvel Feature Number 2. Dormammu tells Loki that they should be evil buddies, and Loki's cool with that. Dormammu has promised that he would never invade the Earth's dimension, but the thing is, he really, really wants to. He reckons that if they can trick the Defenders into reassembling a device called the Evil Eye, then Dormammu's dimension will grow and encompass the Earth's dimension, and then he can invade the Earth without technically breaking his promise. Pretty sneaky, Dormammu. Loki thinks that plan sounds cool, and the 2 archfiends shake on it. Okay, so, back to the Defenders' number 8 epilogue. Deception. Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Valkyrie, Namor, the Silver Surfer, and Hawkeye are hanging out at Steve's place. Steve tells the others that he's pretty stoked, because he thinks he can contact the Black Knight's soul, which has been hanging out in some weird nameless dimension ever since his body got turned to stone back in Defenders number 4. Hulk is pretty pissed off at Steve and the Surfer for hypnotizing him earlier, but... He kind of likes the Black Knight, so he's going to stick around. Fal isn't super stoked about Dane's resurrection, because she's magically in love with him for some reason, and isn't really in a good headspace to start a relationship right now. Fair enough. Steve sends Dave's soul a mystic telegram, asking if he's okay and if he has any idea how to get back into his body. Dane's soul is out floating in some weirdness. It's stoked to receive the message, and responds that he's basically fine, just bored, he doesn't have any clue how to fix himself, but he has faith that his buddies will work something out. That's sweet. Unfortunately, before Dane's mystic telegram can get back to Steve, it is intercepted. By whom, you ask? I'll give you a hint. It's not the Tuma! Slam dunk. Sorry. The message is intercepted by Dormammu and Loki. They do a little creative editing to the telegram. The message Steve ends up receiving is basically, Hey buddy, thanks for checking in. If you could reassemble the evil eye for me, that would be great. Pretty sure that that'll pop me right back into my body. Thanks, your pal, the Black Knight's soul. Well, that's enough for Steve and his buddies. They're off to reassemble the evil eye. Sure hope no Avengers try to hassle them about it. Why, that could spark an all-out Avengers Defenders War. To be continued. (laughs) It's not the Tuma. Classic. And joining us once again is my good for many things brother Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm well.
1: How are you? Ah! Oh, no, your inner B- Babs Norris is it's <laughs> it's come true. to reside. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm doing good. Oh, good.
0: Yeah, that's a relief. Thank you. So, what'd you think? Uh, <laughs> squids, porpoises. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I think especially after the last Teen Titans issue, it was nice. I felt like I could breathe a little bit in this issue. Mm -hmm. You know, like things are spaced out a little bit more. The dialogue isn't so densely packed. We're back in the Defenders and it feels good to be there. And this was just kind of goofy fun. Mm -hmm. And then we get an interesting setup for the coming crossover event. Yes. So I think the way I'm going to structure this is... We'll cover the Defender story that is the continuation of the story we read last issue and then go really briefly over the Avengers 115 mm-hmm. and then talk about the lead-in to the Avengers Defenders War that we see setting up in the epilogue of both of those comic books. Okay. Sound good? Sure. Okay, so Defenders number eight. Pretty good. Pretty good indeed.
1: Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite part? My favorite part? Yeah. I liked it when the red ghost got punched out pretty good (laughs) him getting
0: punched out was great atuma getting punched the fuck out was both satisfying and kind of anticlimactic
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but yeah no there were some great punch outs Mm -hmm. yeah the
1: red ghost getting his like what happened and then his face after the punch (laughs) out scene like just like hatred and disappointment (laughs) like the really twisted ugly little face man Yeah, I love the Red Ghost so much.
0: I'm so glad he's in this comic book. Yeah, I mean, he's a real piece of shit, obviously. Yeah, so let's just kind of go through the story a little bit. Sure. Starts off... Yeah, Namor is having to fight with, (laughs) with Val and Hawkeye. And I love the amount of derision everyone treats Hawkeye with. It's They really... It feels earned with what a dick we saw that he was last issue. So yeah, having Namor be like, I'm not even gonna bother punching him out because he's nothing. Mm-hmm. He's not worth my princely <laughs> might <laughs> my princely sinews. <laughs> but Namor is clearly under mind control because once again, several hairs on his head are askew. And he has a crazed look in his eye, and like is making Jack Kirby style strangle hands mm-hmm. at everyone. But I feel like mind control is something that comes up in the Marvel Universe that everyone must have their own little tells for when they're mind controlled. And I think it's helpful if people could know them. So I made up a little mnemonic device <laughs> so you can help figure out when Namor is being mind controlled. It's a relief. What is okay. it? Okay. Hair's in place? Regal grace. Hair's askew? That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. So now we can tell mm-hmm. when that's not Namor hair's askew? That's not you. And clearly that is not Namor. So yeah, he pretty much mops the floor with Valkyrie and Hawkeye. And Hawkeye's fucking, what did I say last issue? Those arrows are garbage. Yeah. Even he knows that they're garbage. Like, you can't make new arrows out of old beds in like a minute and expect them to be any good.
1: He does a very clever thing, though.
0: He knocks over a vase.
1: Well... It seemed really <laughs> clever until it did not work. But. Right. It was a good shot. It w- it was a good shot. But even he
0: says, like, I don't trust my... Like, these might kill somebody or they might have no effect at all, so I'm not going to bother. But I think I can use them to knock over a vase. Yeah. Conversely, while the red ghost is distracted, he could have just snuck up on him and hit him over the head with something. Sure. But he's got that weird bow fetish thing that I think he just kind of needs to have it, like, as a totem. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, if somebody's, like, having an acid trip and they just have to carry, like, a can of ham chowder around with them because they found it at the beginning of the night. Like, you know, one of those. Sure.
1: It sounds like there's probably... Is that
0: a, not a universal, the, uh, uh, common experience that everyone can relate to?
1: I have not heard of it universally. I'm pretty
0: sure it's one of the four stories <laughs> Is ham- that are told... <laughs> A stranger comes to town, Uh hero goes on a journey, Okay. Um, somebody experiments with psychedelics and has to carry a uh, can of ham chowder around with them all night to feel safe. Okay. And um, man versus nature?
1: Sure. Okay. That's the big four, right? So ham chowder is a thing? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably clam chowder and you just couldn't read it. Okay, I don't know
0: why we're putting names on this. Nobody ever said this was about me. It's not about me. It's just a common
1: trope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. the trope guy couldn't... Yeah, the trope guy, apparently. It was troping hard. Pretty sure it was ham ch- Anyway, um... <laughs> the bow is his ham chowder.
0: Yeah, the bow is totally his ham chowder. Got it. Stupid <laughs> fucking Hawkeye. But he gets punched down <laughs> in his apparently in his sleep, just keeps screaming, Why? Why? (laughs) Which is the best thing he did all issue. It really is. It it is absolutely the best thing he does all issue. (laughs) Is that as he is unconscious, he just keeps shrieking why enough that the Red Ghost is like, Okay, I'm going to wake you up just to explain things to you. First of all, I'm a supervillain, so I need to explain things to my captured heroes anyway. But also, I'm so tired of that. Yeah. Although, I will say, in his defense, and this is probably the only time I'll defend him, Hawkeye raises a good point. Why didn't him being unconscious deter his ability to mind control people? Cosmic waves, man. Yeah, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Either way, like, okay, cosmic rays are the way that his powers work, but he wasn't using his brain to mind control people? That doesn't make any sense, that while he's unconscious...
1: He's still able to tell Namor to punch people out. You may have exposed a flaw. Either that, or it's like once he sets his bad plan in motion, then it's just people just—it's on they, autopilot. They just Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe beforehand he was like,
0: "Okay, I'm giving you, I'm giving you these commands," and so okay, the command is still in place mm-hmm. unless it is counteracted. Yeah, it's really weird and it's confusing to me. I, it, when he gives his explanation, it's like, I wasn't mind controlling him with my
1: brain. I was mind controlling him with cosmic rays. It's like, well, your brain was at least peripherally involved in that. But at the same time, he winds up mind controlling a whole army of people. Which... And porpoises. Y- yeah. So, squid, not just people. Porpoises, whales, everything. As a matter of fact, not people, I don't think. No, he has an army of, or what are they? Those are, those are Atuma's buddies that don't need mind control. They're... There's a scene where he says, oh, is he talking to the animals where he's like, go forth, mindless warriors and like- Oh, see, no, I, up. I can see the confusion. I think the mindless
0: warriors are, he's just calling them dummies. I don't think he's mind controlling those guys. I think those are just Atuma's muscle friends. Oh, I thought he was in control of the whole show. He might be performing as though he is, but I'm pretty sure those are just Atuma's muscle buddies who are just big dummies.
1: So yeah, but my point was that if there's that much going on, well, okay, take the muscle buddies out of it. He's still got all of the sea life. Sure. Like, that's just too much to coordinate, especially having a human brain. So it must just be a, a, a directive thing. Go smash okay. the walls, go kill the defenders. Okay. You're on autopilot. I guess that makes sense. Thank you.
0: Okay. Well done. There is something else that happens pretty early on where it's well, the red ghost is giving his, like, you probably want to know how I came to control sea life and shit. Huh? Mm-hmm. So I was hanging out with my super ape friends. basically it goes through all of the stuff that I described in his backstory last issue
1: mm-hmm.
0: He talks about how unicorn thought I could help control his thing but the thing is I'm not that kind of doctor. I feel like that crops up in comic books and I think in the Marvel Universe specifically all the time is the general assumption that if you have doctor in front of your name, you're also a medical doctor mm-hmm. at the very least
1: mm-hmm.
0: It is weird how often that crops up, and that he is the one guy who drew the line. And is like, no, I'm, I'm not
1: that kind of doctor. So he died, or, I, or I whatever. He,
0: yeah, he, but he's like, well, you're kind of on your own. I mean, thanks, but sorry. Yeah, I'm a doctor of mind
1: control, not.
0: I feel like homonyms medicine. get uh, cause more confusion in comic books than they do in other things. Where like, if somebody has one kind of a power, and then there's another word for the kind of power that they have, they also have that power. Hmm. I'm feeling dumb because I can't think of an example of that right now. I know we've come across it before. I cannot think of one either. But you know what I'm talking about. Like it, the I, Specifics aside, what I'm saying sounds true, yes? <laughs> <laughs> I understand your theory. I can't think uh, of any corroborating examples. I am very... I think we are both very tired, and I have been drinking also. And now my brain is bad at being your brain, and I apologize. It's okay. Listeners, if you can... Say words to yourself and then type them <laughs> and send them to me that corroborate my homonyms causing confusion in the comic book universe. I would appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a fun editing time oh. for me. <laughs> oh, look at times keeping on hawkeye for a little bit it really cracked me up when we first see him charging into battle as a mind because red goes then he mind controls him when we first see him and valkyrie charging into battle next to each other alongside the submariner and he's wearing his goofy scuba suit but is still mm-hmm. shooting bow and arrows it really cracked me up they explained it that there they, are, special, there are no special bow and arrows that are modified from a, spear. a common spear gun yeah <laughs> like everybody has lying around well it's underwater yeah I guess once you're underwater, there's just spear guns. On. Where else are you gonna use them? That's that's fair. Speaking of things that work underwater, you pointed this out. The porpoises break through the walls that surround Atlantis. Yep. Why are there walls that surround Atlantis? I just was like, well, I'm pretty sure it's a dome. We looked at the pa- pictures. We checked the tape. <laughs> no dome. No dome. It's, I, they just built like a retaining wall around a city that operates. Very much in three dimensions. Everybody could just swim over that wall. That wall
1: serves no function. That was my confusion as well. Also, I seem to remember Atlantis being depicted with a dome most times.
0: Yeah. That certainly doesn't seem to be the case in the illustrations in this issue.
1: Yeah. Also, I don't know why it
0: would have a dome around it. I'm like, I mean, I guess you would need one as protection. Those porpoises out. Yeah, but I mean, everybody's got sea strength and shit these days. You could do that with like a net or like a cage. Like the old cages they used to use for uh, steel cage matches. You mm-hmm. just, like, build that around there. You save so much money on supplies. Yeah. Everybody breathes water and has sea strength and limbs under there. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you have a dome? I don't know. This is a bad
1: plan. Sure. Well, there isn't one, so no problem.
0: Yeah. Good point. Thanks. But why have a wall? Yeah. It seems like I'm trying to think what that would keep out, and nothing is leaping to mind.
1: Nothing, really. Yeah. Not underwater. It
0: would keep out about as much as building a barrier that surrounds the entire Earth, but apparently only in a ring around the equator, would keep out cosmic rays. Which
1: comes up later in the issue, which was like, what the fuck, dude? That's not how cosmic barriers work. I thought it was a whole bubble around the Earth and the, the ring was just like a highlight.
0: Let's take a look at that. Because I very much got the impression that it just looks like a ring of Saturn that's around the world. And I didn't get how that was keeping jack shit out. No, they just made a ring around the world. That's not going to keep cosmic radiation out. Well, it worked. Touché. I guess cosmic radiation must be coming from a very isolated source.
1: Maybe that panel is like a still photo of something else That's there's a lot going on. Like, it's a a frame in a time-lapse... Corey. Like the ring is like, whoosh, like spinning around like crazy, really fast, keeping the rays out. Corey, I probably should have asked you this earlier. Uh huh. Why are you carrying around that can of ham chowder? <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. <Corey. laughs> Things are not going to go well from now on.
0: Beacon <laughs> of crazy, guess who's back? Barbara Norris. Briefly, at least, yes. I was kind of excited when I saw that long string of capital A's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor. This seems like this is something that is set up to be a continuing adventure in her identity.
1: Man, poor lady. Talk about bad trips, though, too. Like, coming back into a body wearing a undersea... Helmet engaged oh, no in full on battle with giant squids flying yeah, around with, with creepy guys.
0: Yeah, Atlanteans. Dang. Barbara Norris is unprepared for that.
1: Although, maybe, I
0: don't know, like, don't know what kind of uh, cult that worships the nameless mo- one she had been really involved with. I, I hear evil cult and that worships the nameless one mm-hmm. seems pretty Lovecraftian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe she's more comfortable surrounded by tentacles and shit. Maybe, but doesn't appear to doesn't be. Doesn't seem case. to pan out. Yeah. no way. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, because she is freaked the fuck out. We also get Doctor Strange comes home from his latest adventure, which was over over in Marvel premiere, and he basically shows up and is like, "Clea Wong, good news. My old teacher died, and that makes me more powerful.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: he did kind of <laughs> say that. He didn't. I mean, he didn't technically say good news, but he seems very excited to be like, well, I've got all this new power now, so I think I can free the Black Knight, maybe. Yeah. But very casually drops my recently departed
1: mentor. Yeah, I didn't realize that that meant he was dead. Maybe he just went on a trip,
0: you thought? Yeah. he said departed?
1: Good point. I don't know. They're all dimensional, extra dimensional folks. Maybe he departed the dimension (laughs) for a different one. That's one way to put it, Corey. <laughs> That's beautiful. He's at peace now. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's in a better place. He's
0: in a better dimension yeah. now. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of weird. So Doctor Strange then is like, I want to share the good news with my buddies. Yeah. I want to share the good news that I'm more powerful. Now that the Ancient One died, where's my party friends? Where Where are all my backup dancers?
1: I shall send for them. So he sends
0: out a telepathic summons and the Hulk, for whatever reason, is like, okay, I'll go there. He specifically doesn't want to do what Dr. Strange tells him to do. But as soon as Dr. Strange tells him to do something, he's like, yeah, hey, okay. The Hulk has some weird default settings.
1: It is weird because he goes there, and then once he's there, he's just it's like, completely he's like, ah, stupid mu- uh, musician. <laughs> why, <laughs> should, why should I do anything he tells me? <laughs> stupid magician. Yeah. And Silver Surfer. He makes a bad decision. He I, makes I felt
0: like. a few different bad he makes some weird decisions than a bad one. Because immediately he's like, I'm sorry you can't find Namor and Val, but they're their own people. Leave them the fuck alone. And Doctor Strange is like, well yeah, I guess you're I guess you're right. Well, wow, they're probably fine. Yeah, they're probably fine. Anyway, I should probably free the Black Knight. And Silver Surfer <laughs> says something along the lines of, Well, I don't really know the Black Knight, and I've never fought alongside him, but we are fellow beings, so I'm interested in this. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many fucking beings there are out there, Silver Surfer? It's like a lot, man. There's a lot. A whole lot of them. hmm Seems weird that you're that concerned about this particular one who you haven't met, when there are many other ones that you haven't met. But, good for him. He's being noble. Then, Hulk pipes up. And it's like, oh yeah, Hulk knows where they are. Tells him nothing. It's hard to say he tells him where they are, but he doesn't at all. He's like, oh yeah, Hulk knows where they are. And they're like, oh, well, where are they? It's like, shut up, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. Bah. bah. Yeah. And then Silver Surfer makes, yeah, what you described as a bad decision, which I would agree. He decides, Well, I'm not invested in this any in any way, but it's headlock time.
1: Yeah. It's
0: just the Hulk. It's just the Hulk. I'll around. just grab him around the neck like a fucking moron. And Hulk feels understandably betrayed by this because the Silver Surfer had been the one dude who was pretty cool with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Boy, I probably say this a lot, but it's a bad day to be the Hulk. Yeah. So they find out where Namor and Valkyrie are. They go, they rescue him. Doc Strange's reassuring face suddenly snaps Val out of her insanity. Nice trick.
1: Yeah. Was it his face or... Was that before they wrapped the Earth in the prophylactic layer of anti-cosmic wave? I think that was before they put a ring around the world. Oh. Let's take a look. Because even though his face was reassuring that was still all distorted with crazy
0: it was distorted but she was still cool with it he wasn't looking quite as picasso-y as the atlanteans who she saw as monstrous beasts oh yeah you're right he's got a kind of trippy looking face but as soon as she starts flipping out and turning into barbara norris then he's like oh shit i can sense them because i guess he can read everyone's minds now which is creepy I didn't know that was a thing. So he sees her. Once more, she turns. Once more, her throat constricts as she prepares to scream that throat raw. Ah.
1: Oh, wait. <laughs>
0: but the image her bewildered brain records, though decidedly distorted, is neither menacing nor monstrous. It contains only concern for her. Hmm. And then he can tell what's going on in her brain. It is weird that, I guess maybe because it happened longer ago now, because before, I mean, he probably looked at her and was very concerned before, and it didn't have any kind of a soporific effect on her. But now she quits with a capital A's, calms down a little bit. He and Silver Surfer head out and throw a condom over the earth. hmm And everything's right as rain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There is a weird moment where the Silver Surfer is kind of freaked out at how powerful Doctor Strange is. Frankly, a little afraid of you, man. A little bit, man. (laughs) I mean, that is a very telling moment. I guess having now absorbed all of the Ancient One's powers...
1: Mm -hmm. damn,
0: he must be very, very powerful because Silver Surfer is a dude who was the Herald of Galactus had really given over entire planets to planetary-wide genocide before is an incredibly powerful dude and he's like, dude, you're crazy strong now very telling Yeah, and it leads to a nice moment of dialogue betwixt the two Indeed. Is there anything else in the main
1: story you wanted to go over? Just getting back to Hulkster. One thing yeah <laughs> makes me think of Hulk Hogan, understandably.
0: So, I actually found a comic book recently in which the Hulk fights Hulk Hogan. What? Yeah, it was a Peter David short that was in Marvel Comics Presents, I think number 45. Brad, who does our outro music mm-hmm. uh, with Sticks Downey, stumbled across notice of it and sent me like, hey, do you have this? And I was like, no, but I'm going to get it. Mm. It's when the Hulk was the Grey Hulk, and he gets pissed that somebody else is using the Hulk name. <laughs> and so he just shows up <laughs> in a wrestling ring and pounds the shit out of Hulk Hogan. And it's a really fun little story. That sounds like a delight. Yeah. I It kind of is. But you had a question about the other Hulkster.
1: It was more so an observation that I felt led, you know, even more charm to his character, er- Erlen, which is that he doesn't have any concept of time. Yeah. I was like, that's actually kind of awesome. It is. He also doesn't have, as written by Englehart, I'm tr- I keep trying
0: to make his speech fit some kind of grammatical pattern. But it's so haphazard when he speaks in the first person, the third person, when he's capable of using me, and when it's just Hulk. And it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. It drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. I feel like there has to be, like, a Hulk-to-English-like translator that you could just, like, run a sentence through and make it into Hulk-talks. But... it's a good idea. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Get on it, science. Science, I assume you're a listener to our program. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, Avengers 115 a little bit? Yes. What'd you think of that story? nights Yeah, that was really fun. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked that it was a follow-up to an old Defender story, kind of.
1: Mm.
0: We see what's happening in the Black Knight's castle. It's weird to me that the Avengers are like, we haven't heard from that guy in like nine months. Maybe we should find out where he is since he's a member of our team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I liked that at the beginning. They're like, okay, I know you're the Avengers, but this dude is banned from our country because he's an international criminal. And you don't all have visas. You can't just come here. And I was like, oh, that's a nice moment. And then immediately the other Avengers are like,
1: uh, yes, but we
0: can, right?
1: And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can. Captain America, too, is like, oh, it's the Brits again. They're such jerks, but let's let them on and see what they have to say. Yeah. <laughs> or he said something like, yeah, they're so ob- much so abrupt.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's certainly what the British are known for in comparison to Americans. Their brash, abrupt manner. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, the shit with the troglodytes was pretty fun. Didn't make a ton of sense. I don't know how in depth I'm going to cover this in the synopsis. So basically, the Avengers are worried about the Black Knight. They go to his castle in England. They find that it's all sealed up real good, like Doctor Strange sealed it up. They run into a wall. They run into the Doctor Strange barrier that he put around it to keep anybody from fucking with it while he tries to fix the Black Knight Mm -hmm. so that nobody else gets stuck in the other mystical realm Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, assholes are going to throw you in jail and turn your buddies into statues. Mm -hmm. But they find that, as I suspect happens pretty commonly, Doctor Strange's spell had some unforeseen consequences. There had been some weird troglodytes who were living underground since... I don't know, Robin Hood times?
1: Yeah, Sheriff of Nottingham.
0: Yeah, Robin Hood times. Yep. Yeah, they were poaching in the forest and the king was like, you can't poach in the forest. They're like, fine, we'll go live in a tunnel forever. Is that what you want? And then they did for a thousand years Mm -hmm. and made regular raids like they dug into the Black Knight's castle and just would poke around and take his stuff Mm -hmm. and he never noticed. Yep. But then when the barrier comes up, they can't, so they start just knocking people out and tying them up and feeding them to weird god bugs that they found underground. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and their leader's a dude named Skull. The Avengers have a tough go of it, but then they beat them all up and take them to a hospital. Get them
1: some modern medicine. Get them
0: some modern medicine. Deal with that millennia of inbreeding. Yeah, it's a weird story. Mm -hmm. pretty fun though I I will say the art in that issue it's by a guy named Bob Brown it's fine it made me really appreciate Sal Buscema Hmm. so that's most of that story and then at the end they're just like well somebody sealed up why why did somebody seal up this castle so tight and they find out that it was Doctor Strange they're like well we kind of know who Doctor Strange is they assume I think that he did something with the Black Knight and he's why the Black Knight's missing so they've got some questions sets it up for the confrontation that's going to come Were there any of the Avengers that you were unfamiliar with coming into it? Because we got Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, The Swordsman, and Mantis.
1: Mantis and The Swordsman, I was unfamiliar with.
0: Swordsman was a reformed villain. He started off being a real asshole. He was actually, I think, the guy who got Hawkeye into a life of crime initially. Oh, because Hawkeye's deal is he was a thief, was part of a crime circus. Really? Man, there's so many crime circuses.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. But yeah,
0: no, it's a it's a total thing, and it's one of my favorite things. That is a thing, is crime circuses. Just don't go to one. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not going to any goddamn circuses ever, especially if they have albino monkeys. Oh man! Or apes. well, it's not a it's not a monkey. It's an ape. It's a That's albino
1: an baboon. It's an ape.
0: You're right. Yeah. Albino baboon. I'm sorry. Don't let the red ghost hear you say that. One of his best friends is a baboon. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, that's true. That baboon turned on him. He probably caught them monkeys. Mm-hmm. So watch it.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, it's, consider it watched. <laughs> uh,
0: they were old buddies from the crime circus. Swordsman was kind of his mentor. And then when Hawkeye was like, you know what? I think it's cool to fight crime. Then they had a bit of a falling out. And Swordsman was a real asshole. But then he was kind of like hit rock bottom and was drinking in a bar in Vietnam. And he met Mantis, who is a woman of mystery. She is half German, half Vietnamese, but was raised in a alien cult that thinks that she's the celestial mother. And she's real good at being kind of an avatar of Steve Engelhart's understanding of Asian culture.
1: <laughs> so, which
0: is to say, she's good at martial arts and meditating, and can perform extraordinary feats with her mind. And anything else quasi-Asian that was a trope Shroud in the, early of the '70s, mystery. exactly. Okay, um, a real Lilith, if yeah. you will, mm-hmm. only drawn more or less as at least somewhat Asian, mm-hmm. unlike Lilith. Does she have antennas, or is that just a? Part I'm of not her costume? sure about that. I think it's her hair or part of her costume. Tough to tell. I don't know. I think, I think costume, I think that may have to do with the religion. The other thing is that she's been mind wiped. So she has all of her training, but then she was sent out in the world to make her way and have adventures. Mm. And she ran into the swordsman mm-hmm. in this bar where it's also, I think she may have been working as a prostitute too. Although they couldn't come out and say that in the early 70s. Mm. I think that in later stories, they have that be the case. And... She helped him believe in himself and see that he was dope and he should start fighting crime and be a good person. And also she does kung fu and can maybe meditate and, like, levitate, mm-hmm. it seems like. Mm-hmm. She, has, she has mystic powers that, that are shrouded in mystery. Uh, she is uh, inscrutable. Mm. That's her thing. Intriguing. Mm, quite. So, that's them. Then we get uh, epilogues. Mm-hmm. Is Loki huge
1: or did Dormammu just downscale himself?
0: I think with both of them, their sizes are malleable. I mean, in the Norse myths, Loki is a shape changer Mm -hmm. and can be huge or tiny and male or female and any kind of animal that he wants to become. Like, I think he's Fenris the wolf's dad, but he's the serpent of Midgard's mom. It's tough to tell with Loki. And Dormammu, I think, also can be big or like, whatever size he wants. It's one of those where Loki's powers are treated so inconsistently that... It's very jarring to see him put on the same scale as Dormammu. Mhm. Because I think of Dormammu as being like cosmic level 100% giant galactus level threat. Yeah. And Loki's been around so long that he can't really be seen as the monster hero that he sometimes has been. He's more of a like shifty manipulator and stuff. He's a god of mischief or evil or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. I guess at this point, he is world-level evil bad guy. Because we're supposed to see them as peers.
1: Yeah, I don't like him. Yeah, no, he's a
0: shit. You just don't like him because of the ponytail. And those horns.
1: The horns and the ponytail is a
0: bad look, man. (laughs) I kind of like it. We can talk more about that (laughs) later, and I suspect that we will. But he's also blind right now. I guess he had some kind of a confrontation. But even within the story, his powers are treated inconsistently. Because he has been blinded and thrown off a mountain. And it's treated as though it is a dire threat that he's about to be dashed to death on some boulders. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem like the sort of thing that would fuck with somebody who's going to be Dormammu's partner. Yeah. But Dormammu rescues him and says, Hey, will you help me be evil? I heard you are totally evil. So. And yeah, look, he's like, Oh, Dormammu, I've heard of you. And at first I thought he was just like super shocked, but I think he's just not used to being blind yet. Mm -hmm. And Dormammu's like, oh, you heard of me? Probably how scary I am and you think I'm terrifying, right? And Loki's like, nah, man, I just heard we were a lot alike. And Dormammu's like, all right. And then they're super bad guy buddies. Do a little fist
1: bump. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Dormammu has made a deal that he will never try to take over the world, but he found what he thinks is a loophole where there's a device called the evil eye and if it gets reassembled and used then it will make his realm start getting bigger to the point where it will envelop the whole world and its dimension and then he won't be invading the earth he'll just
1: be he won't have to leave his own dimension he
0: won't have to leave his dimension to invade the earth i Mm -hmm. guess yeah he can still take over shit just some high level lawyer ball well dr strange says can't leave your dimension gonna bring the earth to you that's the attitude yeah. You've been listening to your Tony Robbins, haven't you? Uh no. Okay. But yeah, and that's the epilogue that's in the Avengers issue. Then, in the Defenders issue, mm-hmm. we see them start to implement their plan. The Defenders, all hanging out in Steve Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. There's a there's definitely a weird Hulk moment where he's just kinda sitting there and quietly stewing about he's thinking Magician and Silverface made Hulk sleep till they came back. Nobody can make Hulk do anything and not get hurt but Black Knight helped Hulk once so Hulk will wait to see if the magician can fix him but then Mm. Val's having her own moment she's freaking out about the fact that she just started to go bonkers she's got Barbara Norris fighting for control of her body she's not sure how she feels because it is Barbara Norris's body but she likes existing Mm -hmm. and also Barbara Norris is not really in a condition to have control of her body I guess
1: as I say that that sounds creepy and wrong Sound a little bit like Doctor Strange I'm I'm getting a little (laughs) Doctor Strange there.
0: Yeah, sorry. I can't make that decision for her, but I think Barb is struggling with the idea that she is making that decision for Barb. That Val is struggling with that.
1: Got it. But
0: the immediate problem at hand is, now that Doctor Strange is so powerful, he thinks he can figure out where the Black Knight's soul is, Can contact it and maybe say, hey, you want to come back into the statue? So he sends out some magic bolts into a nameless dimension. Mm -hmm. Not the nameless one's dimension. Oh, no. Just a different dimension. Yeah. Doesn't have a name. He contacts a floating black knight out there. He's like, hey, black knight, this is the defenders. Do you hear us? He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I remember you guys. We met a little bit ago. Hey. Cool. Great to hear from you. Please rescue me. Come get me. It's really nice to hear from you. Now I know that there's hope. That's good. I'm sure you guys will figure some shit out. I'm not in any pain, but please rescue me. Yeah, because it's boring as fuck out here. Mm -hmm. Not the kind of place you'd want to raise your kids. No, no. In fact, it's cold as hell. (laughs) 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 This is only tangentially related to that. But I was hanging out at the library the other day because I'm a cool, cool guy. (laughs)
1: You love reading.
0: Uh Uh-huh. I was talking to my friend Kevin, who's a librarian. Mm -hmm. As we were talking, somebody came up, had a librarian question for him. Her question was this. It was a middle-aged woman who was asking about the film Space Oddity. Uh, Are you familiar with Space Oddity? It features, as she put it, David Bowie. Oh. I was like, did she just call David Bowie David Bowie? Wow. And she did. I'm wondering if she was only familiar with David Bowie from the beginning of that Parliament song (laughs) where he says, I was down south digging on some of y'all's funk. Had some main ingredients like Doobie Brothers, David Bowie. (laughs) It was cool. But can you imagine Doobie in your funk? Oh! Oh. Funk. You think that was really turd? They are literally the only two people I have ever heard call David Bowie David Bowie. Okay. Um, It made me wonder if he also thought that he was Southern Funk. Hmm. Impossible to tell. Anyway, they're having some trouble rescuing the Black Knight. (laughs) (laughs) Because on its way back, a couple of no good nicks are like, Hey, is that a message between the Black Knight and Doc Strange? Yoink! Yep, Dormammu and Loki. Oh, Dormammu and Loki, the original bad boys, (laughs) are out there eavesdropping. Mm -hmm. They put a whammy on the mystical walkie-talkie that Dane and Steve are working on. Mm -hmm. And they insert just just their own little touch on the message. Mm -hmm. Still sounds like Dane, Mm -hmm. but... Has the beginning of his message, the end of his message. But then they're like, so if you guys could find the evil eye, I found that out here. And uh, seems seems like that would be a good way to fix me. Mm-hmm. That message gets back to the defenders. And they're like, all right, guess we got to find the magic eye. Pretty sneaky. Very sneaky. There is also a moment at the end, Silver Surfer is just like, well, I know about the evil eye. First of all, correct me if I'm wrong, but evil, Yes. Also, Reed Richards said that the Human Torch told him that it was all smashed up and wouldn't work anymore. Hawkeye says, maybe so, Nickel Plate, but if someone hanging out in a nameless dimension says it's around, this earthbound boy ain't gonna argue. No, Hawkeye. Mm. There are so many beings in nameless dimensions. They're not necessarily right just because they're in a nameless dimension. Bad logic. It's terrible logic. And Hawkeye is terrible. He did a bad job. He's a bad job. <laughs> you don't He's like He is a bad He's job. He's a bad job. Very bad. Boo. <laughs> you ready to get into the minutia? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do this shit. Uh-huh. Hit it, Rick. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. So... What you want to start with? Let's start with our new category. All right, the new category is "I just gotta be a sucker." This is inspired by the film Crush Groove and one of the fat boys in it. The "I just gotta be a sucker" moment is a character acting against their own established character and motivation in a way that does nothing except for further the plot. So, what was today's "I just gotta be a sucker" moment?
1: I have two. Okay. One that I think actually meets the criteria, and another one that only meets about half the criteria, Okay, but I like it better. Okay, well, let's go with the first one. The first one is when Hulk is summoned by Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange's face shows up and is like, everybody come to my house, and Hulk's like, okay. Okay. Because yeah. he has to do that there, to move it forward, but like...
0: and There's moment. no reason that he would. I completely agree. I also had the Hulk. I had the moment that we already talked about on page 24 where the Hulk is like being kind of scheming and Machiavellian and be like, well, I'm just going to wait this out. I would normally storm off. I'm angry at him and I'm angry at him, uh, but I'm not angry at somebody who isn't here. So I'm going to sit here calmly and wait for events to unfold and then be angry later.
1: Very unhulky.
0: Very un un-Hulk. What was your one that you're going to go with, even though it may not fit all the criteria?
1: It was when the Silver Surfer says to Dr. Strange, like, whoa, dude, you're kind of scary. <laughs> and Dr. Strange's response was very self-effacing huh. by Strangeian standards.
0: It totally is. You're right.
1: And uh, he says... I'm just a regular guy. Yeah. Yeah, basically, that's... Yeah.
0: Uh, we could get into that because I do want to bring that up when we talk about the best words. Anyone with my, with, with my background <laughs> would have the same powers. Let's segue into that. Let's go with what was, what was your favorite words that were in this, dialogue or captioning. And a few. And I, I did too. Let, let's start with what Dr. Strange says in response because it really did crack me up. It's on page n- 18. Your powers astound me, Strange and one who has seen the star swarms of the galaxy is not easily astounded. I must also admit that I am the slightest bit afraid. You are very different from anyone I've ever encountered. (laughs) Afraid? (laughs) Of me? Come now, I only do what anyone could had he my background. You're right. Doctor Strange is admitting his privilege. That's not a Doctor Strange thing Mm -mm, to do. No. You have seen so much that anything you do not understand seems unnatural. Here's where it drives it home for me but I am not a hobgoblin. (laughs) I am merely a man. Like yourself. Mm. (laughs) Dude's a fucking hood ornament with cosmic powers from another planet. Not merely a man.
1: Not merely a man. Yeah, I loved that. Uh, what were some other words that you enjoyed? I liked it when Hulk on page 9 says, Bah! Why should I do anything stupid musician wants? I keep <laughs> saying keep mu- calling <laughs> him a stupid musician. I know. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. I, I don't either. Did yeah. somebody take out an acoustic
0: guitar recently?
1: Bah! Why <laughs> should he do anything that dumb magician wants? That's what Hulk says. Yeah. It cracked me up. That's fair. I I liked that too. I also
0: had the Silver Surfer exclaiming, By the head of my father! That must be the fabled Atlantis! Under siege! (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird... Is that a turn of phrase? It's not one I have ever heard before. By the head of my father. It's creepy. It's cre- It's really weird. It's mm-hmm. a weird thing to swear by.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like it's common for characters to swear by things that were, would be unusual. Like if it would be like, uh, I swear by my father's beard or something like that. It's like, oh, okay. Like if we knew that his dad had a big beard or something. Mm-hmm. But it was like Dave Engelhart didn't know anything specific about Silver Surfer's dad, mm-hmm. but Just wanted to thing. have one of those oaths. And it's like, well, I'm assuming he has a head. So, all right, by my father's head. Very strange oath. Indeed. And I also like the use of the phrase under siege, because
1: it reminds me of that movie. Under siege? Yeah. Mm. Speaking of under sieges, okay. I had a bit of dialogue from one of the kind of Atlantean bystanders. Okay. It also sort of fit the show and tell category that we do for the,
0: for the other. I know what you're talking ones. about, and yeah, that
1: cracked me up too. Have at it. On page twelve, and he says, "Whales bursting through the walls, and behind them, squids, porpoises." <laughs> it's hard to read that punctuation exactly how it is,
0: but yeah, it's pretty good. There's a lot of background Atlanteans that have exposition dialogue like that. When Barbara Norris comes back into play, and we see the capital A's, which I also want to throw those into the ring as best dialogue. Ah. ah! But in response to that, some more background Atlanteans. The surface-crawling Herodin falls to her knees, gibbering insanely. Perhaps the pressure has affected her, but it matters not. We still have lucid foes to fight. Leave her alone. We must hurry to the gates. Mm -hmm. My favorite dialogue, though, my favorite words in this issue are when Namor regains himself and says... Turn, Lord of the Murky Depths. Turn and face the Lord of Atlantis. Namor, the avenging sun. Tumor responds, No, this time the plan was perfect. You cannot be here. Ready yourself, brigand. The true Submariner will use but one soul-fulfilling blow for the likes of you. When a man feels every ounce of power at his command, riding on his fist, and that fist connects with his mortal foe, that is vengeance, and it is complete. That... Dude killed your fiancé, but you punched him once, real good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and now you guys are even. He doesn't say they're even, he just he says, his says vengeance it's... is complete. I think that means they're even. Otherwise, wouldn't his vengeance be ongoing? Is the guy dead? I don't think so. Oh. He just got punched real good.
1: Yeah, that seems not equal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but that is also a hell of a speech. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I do have some other fa- favorite words that actually segue into sound effects. Because there is a great segment where Hawkeye is congratulating himself for having knocked out the (laughs) Red Ghost. Still trying to prove himself to his old buddies. Dynamite! I knew sitting in for this one gig with the Defenders was a good move. Wait till the Avengers get a load of this. He's just knocked out Red Ghost and he thinks that means the mind control is over. Dumb old Hawkeye saves the day with brain pow dot dot dot. And then a giant page-wide sound effect of... POW! As Namor knocks him the fuck out.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're coming.
0: Yeah. The impact of that POW and the wordplay of the sound effect POW coming after him starting to say power but not finishing it. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. This issue was fucking chock-a-block with terrific sound effects. What were some other ones that stood out to
1: you? Yeah, I I liked the preceding sound effects up to that when... (laughs) Hawkeye shoots this vase off this high thing with his arrow. Yeah, what, what noise do you think a vase being hit by a makeshift arrow and falling off of a giant pedestal would make? Well, I can't really say, but I can read that the uh, sound effects. Boing! p <laughs> Or boing! P-ding!
0: Uh, see, I read them in the other order. I thought it was p Boing! <laughs> <laughs> Either way, drives home the point that I was trying to make earlier. Those are shitty arrows. What is the boing? The pating is the arrow
1: the piting, ricocheting
0: off yeah, the I thing. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the think, boing is the twang of the bow. No, because the boing is coming from the impact point of the vase, I I think. I mean, either way, the bow is yeah. being shot in the previous panel. Tasty. Okay, my guess is maybe the boing is because seeing the pating of it ricochet, we see how pleased Hawkeye is with himself. I think when he sees hears the pating, gives him a boner. (laughs) (laughs) That's the boing. Boing. (laughs) It's like a morning radio DJ sound effect boner. Wow. (laughs) It just makes sense. Yeah. There are so many other sound effects in this. Uh, (laughs) Other than
1: morning radio (laughs) DJ boners? Or different
0: types of morning radio DJ boner noises. Uh, Because on page 8, when Atuma punches the floor for emphasis it goes crom
1: yeah i don't i couldn't read that as an actual sound just makes me think of uh, conan yeah understandably so
0: well and atuma is a barbarian oh yeah curious indeed i think we might have had the same absolute favorite though did you have any others leading up to that i did not red ghost
1: yep page 18
0: yep The, I mean, that's another one where it is made better by the words leading up to it. He's in red ghost form. He's turned into a mist and is leading Atuma's muscle buddies. Onward, you mindless barbarian warriors. Follow my mist form through the breached borders of Atlantis. Follow the red ghost to vict-tug. Because he's just lost his cosmic powers, has gone back into his human form, and when he hits the ground, it goes... Bloog! (laughs) Sal Busema is having so much fun coming up with sound effects.
1: Ploog! <laughs> when when you fall down underwater... I wonder if he was
0: friends game. with the illustrator Mike Plug and if that was just, like, where he wanted to have that come into play there. I just... I, I love it.
1: Ploog!
0: <laughs> it is a fucking delight. Yep. Alright, favorite panel? Oh, so many good panels. There oh. really are. However... For me, it doesn't actually get any better than
1: tug, plug Yeah, I actually...
0: <laughs> that, that is actually my foot choice for favorite panel, is the red ghost making a <laughs> face plant
1: as the sound effect says, tug, plug Yeah, I had that one also, and the runner-up for me was, was we actually talked about this before, and it's Hawkeye getting knocked out by, by the, Namor on page three. The, the pow. POW. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, like it's super graphic. Really fun. Yeah, I also I enjoyed
0: seeing the Silver Surfer try to put Hulk in a headlock and the Hulk having none of it. But for me, it's Tug Plug. Tug Plug all the way. <laughs> speaking of video <laughs> morning DJ, I know that brings us to sartorially speaking. Sartorially speaking, what do you want to talk about?
1: So I, I feel like I can't take uh, Red Ghost again. Yeah, because that's, that's because been done. we we've already covered him. Um, So I chose something that we have touched on a little bit in the past, but I feel like was rendered much more effectively in this issue, and that is Atuma's hat.
0: Yeah, it's definitely bunny ears. Mm -hmm. Skull bunny. Like, bunny ears made out of bones. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that, and also we see that in play in the Avengers issue, Mm -hmm. where there is... One of the Troglodytes, the leader of the troggledites, also is wearing a skull as a
1: hat. I know. I was
0: confused by that at first. It is confusing. Also, he looks totally different on the cover than he does in the interior. On the cover, he's much more menacing and hairier and, frankly, in general, better drawn. But, yeah, Skull also has an Atuma-looking barbarian outfit. And just, I guess, just barbarians had skulls on their heads? If they were the big cheese. If they're in charge? Yep. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Also we talked about Loki's look. I kinda like Loki's look and you really hate Loki's look. I do. He's got these giant recursive horns that I think are really weird. It's just such a weird look. I can't even say if it's good or bad. So he's got that tiny thin little ponytail coming out. Stupid ponytail. It is a stupid ponytail, (laughs) but I love it, and I love that it's counterbalanced. I think he needs to have it, though, or else those horns are going to make him fall over. Anytime that guy goes anywhere, he's
1: got to be bumping into shit with those horns It is crazy
0: impractical. Yeah. Yeah, that he can assume any form and is a trickster god, but in his default setting. Like when he's at home, whenever he (laughs) opens a cabinet, he's like, (laughs) God
1: damn Ah, it, ah, damn it.
0: damn it. Why do I have to make them so pointy? Now they're stuck in the goddamn cabinet door again.
1: I can't get my tea. Oh,
0: that's why he's so evil. That's why he's so evil and angry all the time. It's because he can't get at that chamomile.
1: Oh, he
0: needs to mellow out, man. Um, he needs that chamomile. Yeah, but the coffee maker's already out on the counter. Yeah, so so he's there you just mad. Just jacked up on the caffeine. Woo-hoo. Gotta mix in some chamomile. Have that sweet, sweet poor man speedball. Caffeine <laughs> followed up by a tea of chamomile. Just whoa, zone out.
1: Uh, Oh man I think that's what the i do.
0: booze makes a better
1: dynamic tension with the and
0: yeah, they're both good it's yeah, all a rich tapestry that's true i think that brings us to best defender worst offender so in this issue who was the best defender
1: this is not often that i get to say this but i i think doc strange pulled it out he does a great job yep
0: he saves the day he shows an uncharacteristic amount of humbleness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he does a really good job until the very end where he doesn't pick up on... That was very sneaky. Though. And he is being foiled by two, like, world-class evil baddies. No, mm-hmm. oh.
1: They were very clever. I, they, they, I they did a good job. Understand. I can't
0: really fault Doctor Strange for that. But yes, mm-hmm. overall, other than being somewhat callous about the death of his mentor, he does a very good job. I, I had the same choice. Oh. Conversely, worst offender
1: uh it's almost cheating to say it but man hawkeye just does a yeah. bad job and he's a dick yeah my, my initial response was the hulk because really the hulk does a pretty shitty job in this and is very inconsistent i had that thought too but with out him, they wouldn't have found their missing teammates. But he didn't give them the information. But it was, it, it was in his head, spell and, and they extracted it. So. Yeah,
0: but that's not that's not being an active participant. Okay, okay. I I don't know. I but yeah, no. My answer is also Hawkeye. <laughs> and what it comes down to for me is a he's just a dick at this point. As he's written later on in the Mad Fraction stuff, I I like Hawkeye. I like Hawkeye as a character, but as he is introduced to us in the Defenders, he is such a dick. He's not likable. No. And it really comes down to you can't go trusting everyone just because they're in a nameless dimension. No, nope, that's terrible advice. It's the worst. Fucks everything up. Yep. Nice going, Hawkeye. Nah. Plus, we also find out in this issue whenever he hits something that he shoots at, it gives him a comical boner.
1: Boing. Boing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I think that just about covers it. We ran a little bit over, but we were covering a little bit more material. Two weeks, we're going to come back and hit up the Avengers number 116 and really get into the meat of the Avengers Defenders War. Mm. It's shaping up very well so far. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Likewise. Anything else you want to add about the issues? Just one last thing, and that was that I'm Feeling like we're we're due for some new choice words or or slogans of sorts that that we pick up from these things to come up, and I don't feel like I've I've gotten anything too recently from these books. Has anything jumped out at you? Oh, pating boing, pating boing. Okay, that's it. That's I think that can go into into rotation. I,
0: I'm just saying, it's right there. <laughs> I feel like somehow, I don't know how, but I feel like the antithesis of pating boing is tug plug.
1: So, okay, we got the pating boing tug plug. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, they do seem to kind of balance one Uh, another out. I don't like to work that blue, though. No. Um, (laughs) No,
0: not not really. Um uh, by we? way. <laughs> yeah we're there okay
1: <laughs> so if you had to to rank historically the various tidbits from from the whole run of everything that we've gone over oh geez like your top your top three what um, catchphrase things yeah boy what would what were your top or top two be maybe that's even harder than top gosh three. i know you liked i like that the, the picket signs were great the uh can't really, put pating boing on a picket sign. <laughs> you could, <laughs>
0: uh, to key York. Ah. I, I liked that a lot. The, the man, I what the one that I think I probably keep coming back to the most is when they're at the circus with the albino baboon hypnotizing everyone. Uh huh. That albino baboon, being of course Beast Boy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the man in the crowd applauding. <laughs> And showing his enjoyment,
1: enjoy, clapping
0: and exclaiming,
1: enjoy, enjoy,
0: like you do when you like something. Yeah, it's tough because whenever I say it, like if I put it like at the end of an email or something, at the end of a blurb for the next podcast that's coming out, it looks like I'm telling people to enjoy this, enjoy it. Yeah, but what I'm in
1: fact saying is. I enjoy this. I enjoy this. Sure. Yeah, how about you? Oh, she was on the other foot. Yeah, not so comfy, is it? No. No. Wasteland at gmail. Oh, wait. No, <laughs> we did that already. In the past one, when, when I was giving you a hard time about yeah. forgetting. And then... Oh, that was your favorite thing? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, God, I don't know.
0: I like Touch Me Not. Touch Me Not's pretty good. Yeah, also, more chores, less play. Classic. And that it was right out the gate in the first issue of Teen Titans that we Mm -hmm. covered. I don't know. And honestly, I keep forgetting them, too. Yeah, well, good to remember to Key York and enjoy, enjoy. Yeah, that's true. Thank you guys for listening. This has been a real pleasure. We'll be back next (laughs) week with new Teen Titans number 11 and see how they fare against their old foe Deathstroke the Terminator. Maybe. I think they kind of wrapped that one up. We'll see what kind of shenanigans those teenage rapscallions get up to this time. Indeed. Uh, And we will be back in two weeks with Avengers number 116, the beginning of the Avengers Defenders War. Ooh! Thanks for listening. Hit us up, ttwasteland at gmail.com. Twitter, Facebook, iTunes reviews. You guys know the drill. And uh, thanks for being rad. Look forward to hearing from you. Tiki York? Sure. Pating? Boing. Tug. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> and they know it. And they
0: know Let's go. We will be back next week with the Teen Titans number eleven. See how they. I forgot what words were just then. I'm so
1: tired and really only a little bit drunk.